Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, Truth Seekers. You're listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com, and I'm your host, Michael Fordham. If you've just clicked the link on my webpage or you're listening on blogtalkradio.com or even the Blog Talk Radio player on my Facebook page and you want to call in live, look, we'd love to talk with you. So give us a call. The number is 347-326-9470. Oh, need a minute to get something to write with? But don't worry, I'll give the number again right after the commentary. Or if you like, you can Twitter me your questions and comments at twitter.com slash a measure of truth. Also, if you haven't yet, why don't you look me up on Facebook? I'm the Michael Fordham with a photo of me in studio, and you can always email me your questions and comments at a measure of truth at gmail.com. Look, we got a great show for you today. We'll be right back after this. If I may paraphrase Stephen King, the most important things are the hardest things to say. These are the things you feel ashamed of because mere words only diminish the thought. You see, words shrink things that seem limitless when they were in our hearts and minds to no more than just living size when brought out into the open. Oh, but it's more than that, isn't it? You see, the most important things lie too close to wherever your secret heart is buried. Like landmarks to a treasurer, your enemies would love to steal away and use against you at the worst possible moment. But still, you make revelations that cost you dearly, only to have people look at you like you're crazy, not understanding what you've said at all or why you thought it was so important that you almost cried when you were saying it. Do you know what's even worse than that? Is when the secret stays locked within and you can't get it out. Not for want of the courage to talk about it, but for want of someone who will just listen. Just listen. As someone who spends a great deal of time searching for the truth, the lesson that I've learned from this quote is, if you want the truth, you have to be prepared to release all judgment and be open enough to hear and accept the truth in whatever form it might take. Judgment alters the truth by changing how it's told or presented. Not accepting the truth stops the bearer from sharing the truth.
Ignoring the truth kills ambition and is a recipe for disaster and makes success impossible. We all over the years have learned to guard ourselves against deception, but I've also come to realize that in most cases, you don't even have to discover or discern the truth. You just have to let it be and see it for what it is. Maybe you have a story too. It doesn't have to be just like the one we've heard. Hey, I just want to let you know, I'm here, and I'm willing to listen. All I ask from you is a measure of truth. Welcome back, Truth Seekers. You're listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com, and I'm your host, Michael Fordham. And if you just click the link on my webpage or you're listening on blogtalkradio.com or even a Blog Talk Radio player on my Facebook page and you want to call in live, look, we'd love to talk with you. So give us a call. The number is 347-326-9470. Or if you like, you can Twitter me your questions and comments at twitter.com slash a measure of truth. Also, if you haven't yet, why don't you look me up on Facebook? I'm the Michael Fordham with a photo of me in studio, and you can always email me your questions and comments at a measure of truth at gmail.com. Look, we got a great show for you today. Up next, we're going to talk with Tomette and Bonnie about the new film for Color Girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow is enough, a poetic exploration of what it is to be of color and a female in this world, a group of African-Americans dealing with love, violence, abandonment, rape, abortion, and healing, face the struggles and journey towards self-respect experienced by black women in America. Tomette and Bonnie, welcome back to A Measure of Truth. Thank Hello. You. Thank you. <laughs> you know what, Bonnie? It's your yes. first time. You know, it since, sure is. Since it we sure had our is. conversation, so I assumed I'm that you so had already excited. been on. I'm sorry? Yeah, since we had a had our conversation, it was almost as if we had done a show that oh, time that, that we spoke. Oh, that was a wonderful yeah. conversation. I yeah. We should have been live on that one, Michael. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Tom Ed, welcome back as well. You're a veteran. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Good to be back, Michael. Don't make me sound so old. (laughs) I'm a veteran. Oh, wow. Well, tell us a little bit about the film and what your thoughts were on this. Tommy, why don't you go ahead and go first for us? Well, you know, I'm I'm never going to miss a Tyler Perry movie uh, unless someone ties me down, but otherwise I was... I was surprised to see that, uh, it pleasantly surprised to see that he chose uh, for, for colored girls only um, who, consu- who considered suicide when the rainbow was not enough. Um, that, that, uh, that poem series, uh, the collage of poetry that was written by a very talented author, um, really came out of the 70s. And back in the day, I was uh, at high, in high school and I was uh, doing my I want to be an actress time in my life. Um, I uh, wanted to go out for that play. And back then there were not a lot of roles for uh, black performers. And so when you saw that, when that hit, that was an opportunity for a lot of uh, black females to, like, run and audition. Well, I was too young and not mature enough to really even go for that role. But nevertheless, um, I was in going into high school when that hit in 74, 75 time frame. And um, amazingly enough, knowing the original piece and then later getting to do it in college and getting to actually do uh, The Lady in Green, which was the Loretta Devine role, um, you know, I I sat there and recited along with the movie the pieces that I remember. And it's so amazing to see now that I'm a woman, <laughs> a grown woman, uh, to be able to to go back and forth and really reflect on what I didn't understand then. So it was a real uh, pleasant surprise to see him do it so well. Um, what about wow. you, Bonnie? <laughs> well, I'm not that familiar with the the uh, poem, but I've mm-hmm. heard about it several times from my sister. Um, I was I looked forward to the movie because I've heard so much about it. And I did grow up in that era, but um, 
you know, I just I was never privy to attending any of the the plays because there were times where people acted it out, and I, I guess I was just so into other things that I wasn't able to um, get on that bandwagon. However, um, the the movie was a little disturbing to me. I, he did a wonderful, wonderful job. The acting was superb, but I was a little dis- I was a little disturbed. So I just um, you know, I'm just here to talk about what I really feel about it. The, like I said, the acting was beautifully per- performed, but there were some things that I was disturbed by. But we'll get a chance to talk about that. Well, oh, I mean, we might as well talk about it now. I'm <laughs> um, disturbing. You know, one of the reasons why I wanted to be able to talk about this film, and I have to, you know, I have to fess up to my listeners that I have not yet had a chance to see the film, but there's been a lot of buzz going around about it being a film that some might consider to be male bashing and uh, maybe doesn't send a positive image. But I, my, my whole thing was is if you see an example of a bad man and you know that you have a good one, that really would make you appreciate the one that you have a lot more as opposed to the opposite. So what are your thoughts on that? That's very true because I dragged my husband along um, with me, but when we got there, I thought, I said, maybe you need to go see Unstoppable. I'll go see this play alone. He says, this movie alone. He says, no, I'm here with you. And um, he, he came away disturbed more than than I but we we talked about it and I did appreciate him more not that I don't but I appreciated him more after the the movie um it, and it did seem like it was male bashing but I feel that women have to own up to their own responsibilities and it's not always about men and I don't think this was just a black woman's issue I believe it's it was a woman's issue. Mm. Just because we're b- black women, it doesn't mean that other women, rich, poor, Asian, Hispanic, don't go through the same issues. Mm-hmm. And what were you going to say, Tomat? Well, I'm I'm absorbing Bonnie's take on that because you know I'm I'm I I have a a, a bit of a different eye because I, I'm an artist at heart. And now, so Tom, tell I us first, when you went to back. see the film, did you take <laughs> yes. someone with you as well? Yes, actually, I did, and it was, mm-hmm. and it was a male. And so, um, you, know, it, we, you know what I love about this? Because after we left, we went over to the diner, and we sat, because he just wanted to talk. <laughs> and, I, and I was just so full of the history and the evolution of the, the pieces that, you know, I, I, I look, I had a different view because I've been so engaged with it from its very beginnings. And so I understand when it was written, I understand, you know, how that evolved and all of that. So, you know, we had a really rich discussion afterwards. But what I like to do, Michael, is give for those people who don't have the historic, the little bit of history about the evolution of these this piece, you know, um, and and I'm going to attempt to say the author's name. So Bonnie and, and Michael, you can't laugh at me, but <laughs> I, I struggled with it back then. So here here it is. Better it, you than me. <laughs> it's Intozaki Shungi. Shungi, you did good. Okay, thank you, Shungi, Intozaki. Okay. Uh, and so this wonderful um, woman, born in 1948, so she'd be somewhere around 62 now, um, writer, novelist, uh, black feminist at the time, right? And I'm sure that things really haven't changed that much. Um, but this this these, this play debuted somewhere around the 1974-75 time frame, Um she was born in Middle America, so Trenton, New Jersey. She's a homegirl, Michael. Uh, <laughs> I'm from Jersey. She's a homegirl. Uh, I, I went back and took a look at that, and I thought, wow, I didn't realize she was a homegirl. But uh, it, this hit broad, off-Broadway somewhere around 1975 and then moved to Broadway very quickly thereafter and, and opened at the Booth Theater. And she has won the Obie Award on, on this piece and several of her other pieces, but She's also won several other awards on this particular piece. There's like a 20-part poem that chronicles the lives of black women in America, right? 
and uh, published, finally published the book in 77. And then it became a movie in, in 2010. Um, and I understand she lives in Brooklyn now. And so back in that time, you know, not 76 time frame, I just started high school. And uh, and was studying theater and became eventually became professional a few years later, and at the Minskoff Theater I, I did my first professional show, then and and I was dying to get be a part of that what was going on with uh, you know black women performing in in New York at the time and uh, the beautiful thing about the piece is I couldn't really relate to anything back then in terms of what she wrote, but I think. Today, now going back, as I went to the movie, I recall what I was thinking then, and I thought, man, I was so immature then, and I, you know, I would not have done that, you know, that work justice. But today, again, viewing it from my eyes and from an artist's eyes, and and also from how relevant is that today? Well, it still is relevant, and we listen to Bonnie say, hey, this is not just a black issue. It's not. It is a universal issue. But a writer can when when a writer writes, a writer writes for two reasons: either they research, and they write, or they write because they live it. It's something that's so personal; it's in their skin. So I would say that that this writer, in this case, wrote what she knew, what she experienced, and so she took a, a just a script, as we say, from her life, just a just a, a bit of a script from her life, a one page. It doesn't represent everything, but this page she wanted to write about the plight of of that that some women experience in America, and um, you could step back easily and look at that and go, gosh, that was male bashing. Gosh, you know, didn't she have anything positive to say? Actually, there was a positive figure in the movie, and it was the the husband to the woman who had the STD. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And I thought that was wonderful. Of course, the other stuff was so much more, you know, stronger <laughs> in there that you couldn't ignore. You know what I mean? You couldn't ignore the the, the powerful statements for the strong understatement. <laughs> and so uh, I think that the beauty of this piece is you have to see it for what it is. Um, is it representative of all black women in America? No. Um, is it representative of only black women? In, no. But it is a page from her diary, a page from her script from, that from we her can personal, from her personal experiences. But you know, sometimes yeah. if you're a writer, you also write fiction. This could be something that she, you know, wrote just for her, for entertainment purposes for her. Not saying that it's entertaining to, um, you know, kill a child, but it it could. Mm-hmm. could have been from something else. It could have been from someone else's experiences because I'm a writer as well. Sure. Um, sure. But, but what I came, I came out with women, women having to take more responsibility in the people oh, they choose to be in their lives. That's what I came out with. And second, that is so true. Yeah. Secondly, what I, I, I got was that maybe, you know, if enough women see the movie, we have to take, upon ourselves to be each other's real sister, you know, because oh, yeah. you, you know how black True. women are. You know, you mm-hmm. have, oh, that's my sister, but when they need you, where are you? And these women were there for each other in this apartment mm-hmm. complex, and, and, you know, and that's that was deep for me because they all, oh, yeah. you know, pulled each other up. Mm-hmm. That was that was beautiful, and that was at the very end. And you know how they were hugging each other at the end. And mm-hmm. it's like, hey, sisters, wake up, you know. And I was so glad Loretta Divine woke up at the end. She got it, mm-hmm. you know, before mm-hmm. it was too late for her. Now tell me, um, so who had a, a really outstanding performance among these many, many talented actresses in this film? They were all superb. Mm-hmm. But my you know, favorite, you know who stood out. Bonnie, what were you saying? I, cut I you was going to say my favorite was Tandy Newton, and I don't know oh, why, but she <laughs> she she was really believable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not that everybody else wasn't. It's just that I there was just something about her character. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe back in the day, I could relate to it. Who knows? Wow. But um, I just found her really real. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, she's and, an amazing actress. Amazing. Tandy yes. Newton is yes. one of my favorites, really. Um. <laughs> 
And, and who are you, you going to say, Tom? At? Yeah, you know, Candy, you know, they all are, I have to agree with Bonnie, you know, they all were absolutely superb in their own way. Um, but the one who, who touched me in, 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 in a way that, you know, I want to be moved when I when I read or when I write or when I, I'm watching, you know, it is it would be Kimberly Elise. You know, Kimberly is such a wonderful actress, and I've seen her in several um, movies that you know touched me. Um, Woman Thou Loosed and um, mm-hmm. Diary of a Mad Black Woman. And I thought she was mm-hmm. excellent. And because mm-hmm. she was so excellent in the Diary of a Mad Black Woman, that. Okay, how can I say this? I really I wasn't disappointed in her. It's just that I I guess because I knew she was going to really act the part. But there was mm-hmm. something missing before the the kids passed or before they were murdered. There was something missing and I don't know whether or not it was in the writing. It wasn't her acting, but I just mm. wrapped my head around why she was with this man. She didn't want to marry him. Mhm. You know, so yeah, I, I, you know what I got? I thought she was. She felt stuck. Stuck. She was definitely wow. stuck. Okay. Hmm. Well, let me ask well, a question, Tom. Man. This is for you. Hmm. Since you 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 know the play as well, mm-hmm. how well did um, Tyler Perry adapt this? The the theme of the film itself. How mm-hmm. did that match the the play and the same emotions and the same type of performance and the same message that you would find in the play? I think he he stayed as authentic as he could. There were some things that were obviously not around when, you know, like AIDS. In other words, when I say it wasn't around, you know, Mm -hmm. AIDS kind of really hit our knowledge in the early 80s. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, that wouldn't be an issue because considering if if, um, any type of STD is is, um, portrayed in the the script itself, I mean, all the same elements are there. But, I mean... Mm -hmm. You know, when you see a, a piece of work like that, it has sort of a, a, an emotion, a feeling with it, and it's a, it has a life of its own. And what I'm looking for was that life found as well within the film as you would when you would go and see yeah. one of a, because that's one of the things that Tyler Perry does for me. Mm-hmm. He he does a play and he puts it on film and he still gives you everything yeah. that you got in the play, which is an amazing feat. Because yeah. you're you're oh, tempted yeah. to do so many different things when you can do film because it allows you oh, license yeah. to be able to go with effects yeah. and all these added things that you mm-hmm. know can take away from the performance. But he stays true and still delivers um, a message with the same impact and the same flavor, so to speak. That shows I, I, how professional I, my, he is because you have a certain yeah. time frame and uh, a, a movie that you don't have in a book. And if you can capture mm-hmm. all of the elements in that mm-hmm. short time frame, that means that you're, that you're really good at what you do. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm very, very happy with, with the work itself. Um, yeah. So I, I came out just, you know, how some of his movies you come out and you're feeling great and, you know, <laughs> you're smiling, because that's Tyler Perry. But, yeah, you know, too. because of... The seriousness of the issues in mm-hmm. in the, the movie, you could just come out. You know, you, you don't come out feeling good. You you mm-hmm. really don't. You come out feeling wow. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. And then you want to talk about that? it. You have to talk yeah, about that, it. You know. Exactly. Can I talk about that? That that uh, I wanted to go back and answer the one question that you had, Michael. Uh, if you compare it to the original play. Um, I can tell you that he stayed very true uh, to the original play. Uh, He brought in some nuances that were current day, like, you know, AIDS and that type of thing. But pretty much he stayed, and I like the way he did it, um, because he brought it up to date. And I like that. But he did not violate uh, the writer, the original writer. So that that is a tough thing to do, but he did it, and I think he did it well. The other point that Bonnie made, when I walked out, I felt exactly what she said. I felt like, boy, we need to learn how to support each other more. You know, we need to really be sisters, really be sisters with yeah. each other and, and, and be able and hold and, and be your brother's keeper, truly, or your sister's keeper, truly. I felt a burden for that. I felt a burden to go and talk it out. You know, that's why we kind of went to the diner. You know, it's not a date kind of 
movie where you just go out and you walk away and you're happy. This is Tyler's first rated R movie. This mm. is new for him. And so mm. one of the things he brought up was that it's his first rated R, um, and I think he did an exceptional job. No, you did not walk out skipping and holding hands and you or you, you know, wanted to, you know, play around. I think you really wanted to talk about our accountability. It made me go back and look at my own life and say, uh, I see a piece of myself in every one of those women at any given time in my life. Absolutely. I have experienced that at something that they experienced that was close to that feeling, and it conjured up in me that emotion, and it made me go back and think about how very serious we need to love each other, we need to support each other, celebrate each other, and, gosh, wrap our arms around each other when we are going through because we're going to go through. It makes you wonder, you know, even though a lot of those um, issues I never experienced, but they're they're so real and you, you, you appreciate where you are right now in your life and appreciate the fact that you didn't have to go through or didn't have to go through mm-hmm. any of the things that these women went through because these were really mm-hmm. serious issues. Oh, and, yeah. you know, and you come out grateful, you know, saying, well, you just don't know what anyone else is going through and don't judge people. You just can't judge people because you don't know what they're going through. Therefore, hey Michael. Oh, I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah. That's okay, Bonnie. I wanted to. I was interested to get your take on. You remember uh, Felicia Rashad's um, character? Oh, and so I thought I, she was. I, I love that. Well. <laughs> but if you were to go back in your life, do you remember somebody who was like that? Absolutely. And. It, it's you know we used to think these people were just nosy bodies and they just annoyed you but but it was amazing that she was nosy to the right degree when because she really she had needed to, know to what was use going it. on she knew mm-hmm. what was going on and she was in touch with it and you know Tandy called her old woman all the time but even though you know she appeared to be this this um, person who put put herself on a pedestal and she was judging people but she really wasn't she was like i've oh. been there i've been I'm trying to help you <laughs> and i love that i love that about mm-hmm. her she was really good wow. so, so so bonnie bonnie let me ask you now the the since you're right let me let me ask you about that one scene the the silhouette scene where Whoopi Goldberg is in the background and you know Tandy is talking about you know how how she is and her mother is in the background Whoopi Goldberg speaking you know her her side of life as she saw it when she was a child and growing up and then Tandy was kind of she was silhouette she's a background to to Tandy's foreground so could you talk to that what was going on there for you yeah, What'd right after we take this quick break, we'll be <laughs> okay, right cool. back. Hold that thought. Put <laughs> okay. a pen in it. We'll be right back after this. <laughs> Thanks. Hi, I'm Michael Fordham, host of A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. I want to take a quick minute to talk to you about Young Lives DC 34. Young Lives is a unique, cutting-edge, nonprofit Christian organization designed to empower and equip pregnant and parenting teen moms to become productive citizens in the community, a program that partners teens and mature Christian women to provide teen girls in crisis with timely encouragement, guidance, and ongoing support. Through the power of presence, kids' and teens' lives are dramatically impacted when caring adults come alongside them, sharing God's love. Because someone believes in them, they begin to see that their lives have great worth, meaning, and purpose. This is just the first step in a lifelong journey. The choices they make today based on God's love for them will impact their future decisions, the careers they choose, the marriages they form, and the families they raise. And all of this can be traced back to the time when a young life leader reached out and entered their world. For more information or to get involved, check out their webpage at www.younglives.younglife.com. Dot org. Or if you're in the D.C. metropolitan area, call 202-399-7017. Welcome back, Truth Seekers. You're listening to A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. And we're just having a little discussion about Tyler Perry's new film for Color Girls. Tom Ed, 
And Bonnie, mm-hmm. welcome back. And Bonnie, Thank you were you. just getting ready. You had a little time to think about what you were going to say about the scene that Tom had just described to you. Um, the silhouette scene. Um, it Actually, it was one of the most intriguing parts of the movie to me. Um, it was wonderfully written and acted out with mm-hmm. such precision. I, I, I wanted more of it. You know, it was it sort of enveloped me where I'm thinking this is really this is this is poetry in action. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. And um you know, you don't get that a lot. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's it, it really hit me and because you had to really listen to both when you really couldn't. Right. But the way he wrote it, it was just mm-hmm. absolutely I, it was it was over the top, and I, I was very impressed with that. I really was because that's what you call true acting. Oh yeah, that's oh, true yeah. acting. Um, well, that um, that part I could see again because I didn't. I wanted to hear both of them, and you know you couldn't. But what they were saying, mm-hmm. they were both both into themselves, where it was like t- two different scenes at one time. Mm-hmm. So it was it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What was your take? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, <clears throat> you know, it's amazing because I haven't seen good theater like that in in a long time, where you get to see, the, you know, the real artsy kind of theater that gets, excuse me, that gets down to the nitty gritty. Um, and if you follow along in the movie, and for those people who haven't seen it, and Michael, you know, if I could just briefly describe, well, there's a scene, the build-up, uh, where the mother goes back up to to Candy's uh, uh, apartment. She lives downstairs, and they're they're finally going to have it out. <laughs> and Candy uh, was saying, "You don't know me," and and uh, and you know, they they can barely be in the same place without arguing and fighting. Um, but the amazing thing was that, you know, she'd been, Tandy moves into, if you could split the screen, so to speak, visually, Tandy moves to the forefront, and then in the backdrop, in the, in the, the background, you saw Whoopi. And while Whoopi was off into her own world saying, talking about the things that were critical to her when she grew up and the challenges and struggles she had, then you bring it forward and focus on Tandy, who's at the forefront, who's talking about how she's living and what's going on with her and how her life is. And and what you realize about both these women, and one being the mother, one being the daughter, is they had a lot of similarities. But Absolutely. Yet, yeah, and you can, and I thought about my, and my daughter actually talked to me about that. She said, Mom, that reminded me of me and you when we couldn't talk to each other. We we have so much in common but couldn't reach each other. And um, we kind of had, we lived, felt like we lived in separate worlds so, trying to coexist. So Michael Tandy was, um, she was very promiscuous. Mm-hmm. Her um, her role was, she, she was addicted to sex. But mm-hmm. it wasn't really, to me, she had the addiction um, to sex. She had an addiction for love, where she was mm-hmm. thought, through sex because she didn't have her father in her life. And that's just so um, uh, it's understanding because when you grow up without a father, you look for a father figure, and a lot of times women look for that figure through mm-hmm. one-night stands because they just mm-hmm. want to be loved. It's like, where, where, is, where is my daddy? You know, mm-hmm. and, and that's what she did. And she finally came to the realization at the end that, um, she, you know, she was looking for, she was looking for she she had an addiction that she had to break because that's what it was it's not just like someone has an addiction to alcohol or or cocaine or whatever that was her drug of choice and she mm-hmm. had to have it because she didn't have her daddy and that's what i got out of that mhm so and true. that's deep because okay. that goes on a lot oh now, yeah towards the mm-hmm. end of the film is is there a point where there's healing for everyone and we got to see how each was able to, to conquer their demons and move on and move forward? Or is this left to um, guess exactly what happens to them thereafter? I think there was closure for mm-hmm. most of them. Uh, all of yeah. them, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it was. You know what? You know, and, and Bonnie, I'll be interested to get your take on this. Uh, now I get to talk some theater, you know. <laughs> but I, okay. You know, uh, 
what were your thoughts? A very powerful scene, another very powerful scene, was uh, Kimberly Elisa's scene with Felicia Rashad, where Felicia was knocking on the door, again, taking care of your sister. She mm-hmm. was knocking on the door because she, uh, Lisa, Elise really had shut down. She was, for all intent purposes, depressed, and she kind of checked out of life. Yeah, she was And, dead. yeah, she just stopped living and because she lost her children, um, you know, by having uh, the wrong man that she loved so much in her life. Uh, he, he basically killed her children. And so, you know, coming out of that, she just couldn't forgive herself. She couldn't forgive, she couldn't forgive him. She, she was just caught missing her children, trying to function, wiping the blood up off the street, coming out of all of that trauma. And then she just shut her, herself out, of, out from the world. But Felicia Rashad finds herself to her door, as nosy as she is, right, but nosy in the, good, the right way, and knocked on the door. She wouldn't answer. She finally took her key that she had of everyone's apartment and opened the door and walked in and opened the curtains in the room and then turned and looked at um at uh Kimberly Elise and said, Come on, you gotta get up And the amazing thing was she mentioned she says to her this very powerful statement that took almost took my breath away and that was she said, You're going to have to accept responsibility for what you you know, what your part was in the loss of your children. And that was something you don't want to hear from somebody. Somebody. No, you don't. Mm. Oh, you don't want to hear that. And she mm. had to, and it was this moment of this pregnant pause where she couldn't breathe because the reality is that she realized that she is she was as accountable as the man was. Because she chose to stay in, in that relationship, right. knowing that he was abusive to those, those children. And he was, no, he was just crazy, you know. He was crazy. Um, yeah, yeah. That's that's one of the reasons why I said that with her her part I couldn't get why she was still there, but I pretty much understand. You know, after thinking about it, she I believe she just had a fear of being alone, and when you oh. have a fear of being alone, you you just stay in the relationship because you just don't want to be by yourself. And I think that's what I got out of that her role. Now let me As ask you, a question of the both of you because you both mentioned the fact that you you brought. Well, you you walked away from the film with the sense and the feeling that of community and the way that these women they they cared for one another, they loved each other, and they they looked out for one another. So, how how does this change, you know, the way you um, relate to your own friends and the type of relationships that you have with them? Do you see something there that you feel that there is a need to to structure in your own lives to be able to to get more out of the relationships you have with your current friends? Well, I think when this was written, it was written in a slower world. You know, today's world is just so fast and quick, and everybody is, um, you know, trying to do so much at one time with all the different responsibilities of work and relationships, husbands. And sometimes we really miss not only the relationships with our our sisters, our friends, but with our families. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I... I thought to myself, am I doing all I can do? Am I really doing all I can do to make sure that my relationships with my friends and family is strong? Am I really there for them as much as I I should be? And I, I don't think I am. And that's that was a good part of the movie because now I can see that, you know, I might be busy, I might be tired, but I'm going to take a little bit of time, a, a little bit more time to spend with my closest friends and my and my and my family, mm. and 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 I did have to think about that. Right. And sometimes when I want to say want to say no, I'm going to say yes. Yeah, and in today's society, we found all of these other ways to communicate, which are so impersonal, but are become substitutes for that long conversation, that walk with a friend, that that time you may spend with them shopping or at a hair salon. There are all these other little sound bites methods now that are used like Twitter, Facebook, email, so forth and so on, and texting. Texting. Yeah, and um, that that really can't have the same impact. You can't gauge a, uh, someone's um, temperature. You can't understand where they are in their life by uh, a message, you know? So, no. um, yeah. So it's and very some, impersonal. 
Right. Even sometimes through a phone conversation, you can't really hear through the tone of voice that someone may be going through something. And um, this is something I think that we really need to look at because, um, again, things are changing so quickly that we will notice the lack of once we see the result of, of what happens when people aren't communicating the way they should. And um, we really, I guess, need to just look at um, our lives and how we're conducting ourselves and um, the contacts we're losing, even with family and friends, and, and really, I guess, take a closer look at maybe some of the things that have changed for us in the last 5, 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Michael, I, I look at, <clears throat> I look at um, you, know, you know, it's an interesting thing that you say, you know, what, we, what have you done or what will you do different? And, uh, you know, I, as I go throughout the day and I think about the intensity that I have to work uh, during the day, uh, the intensity that I have to conduct. Even when I leave the office, I'm still sometimes working until I go to sleep. And my daughter will call. You know, inevitably she'll call. And I will say to her, hey, look, yeah, yeah, okay, I, yeah, I got to go. Or my grandkids will call, hey, hey, Nana, can we do so for the sauna? Okay, okay, uh, yeah, 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 I got to go. You know, and I've, I've, I've done that for, for some time. You know, you live and you, you know, the higher up you go, the more, you know, supposedly, you know, you're growing, you're, you're being, but we have to be so very careful that we don't lose our human touch with what really matters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I can say it's easy to do because of the life that we live. We're so busy paying the bills. Um, fixing everybody's problems. I mean, you know, I think really I had a conversation with um, uh, a very good friend recently. Uh, We were talking about jobs and and the intensity and, you know, what are you looking for? And uh, I I remember saying to him, if I can give you any recommendations, you know, choose a job that allows you to have balance. Uh, I said, because I'm reminded of when my daughter was delivering her first child, um, Dee Dee. And, Michael, I was working down in Hampton, Virginia at the time, uh, living in two places, Hampton and Manassas, Virginia. And and uh, my daughter was delivering, and I felt it was more important at the time to sit next to the government uh, person uh, because he was so used to me taking being right there so he could reach out and touch me all the time that when my daughter was on the, the delivery table, I was sitting next to him. And then ran from there, jumped in my car, and had to talk to her while she was in labor from my car all the way up the highway heading up to New Jersey from Hampton, Virginia. And she delivered, of course, without me being there. Mm. And so for a long time, she was not, she was, she didn't forgive me for that for a long mm. time. The, and, 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 you know, I used to say, well, you know, I have to work. Well, what are you upset about? The reality is at some point, in this, this thing we call life, in this journey, that we really have to make the main thing the main thing. Mm-hmm. And if that is not the popular thing, then you're going to have to make some decisions in your life about what really matters. Because, see, that job is gone now. My daughter's still here. And I wasn't there when she needed me. And although I've been there several times afterwards, that was important, and I should have been there. And I'm not going to let that opportunity pass me again, ever. Mm-hmm. So well, I have to choose better, <laughs> the, you know, where, where I work and making sure that there's flexibility for life stuff and, and that there's balance in my life because I don't ever want to, I don't want to close my eyes and have my daughter look at me and say, you weren't there when I needed you because you were working all the time. I, I don't want to do that. How long you know? ago was that? Uh, my daughter, my granddaughter is now seven. Have you put that uh, behind you? Do you still regret that? I still, part, parts of me regret that, but, you know, it's a learning thing. Um, it's a lear- one of those learning things, and what it serves to do, and especially watching this movie, what it learns to do is make the main thing, the, it, it's a reminder to make the main thing the main thing. I'm saying this with, with passion, and, you know, I can feel the heat around my ears, because I want for the listeners to to just, if I could just wake up something inside of them to say, if you're in those situations where 
you are challenged every day to make the main thing the main thing. Remember your kids, your family. These these folks are going to be with you long after the job. So please, you know, balance your life. Yeah, um, balance and when, is and, so important. Yeah, when you don't have that, you miss something. And as much as my daughter loves me and as much as I love my granddaughter and, and my other grandkids, you know, the beautiful thing is is that, yeah, that is past, but that was such a lesson that I don't ever want to repeat. And so hmm. it's made me better because of, of that. And this movie is just yet another indication that we just got to keep the main stuff, the main stuff. And if it is not life and death, then folks, choose wisely. Right. Now, with that said, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back after this. Hi, I'm Michael Fordham, host of A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. And I want to take a moment to talk to you about a heinous crime against humanity that plagues our nation, and yes, believe it or not, communities just like yours. Here's something you can do today to lend your support in the fight against human trafficking, also known as modern slavery. For example, Tanya was only 11 when she was forced to use her body for her own survival and the perverse desires of others. Now 18, Tanya knows no other life. She can't even remember when she was able to choose how she wanted to dress. Tanya dreams of being a teacher one day, and with the help of Bridge to Freedom programs and your support, they can empower her and others like her to move from surviving to thriving. You can make a huge difference in the life of a survivor this year through your support and donations to Bridge to Freedom Foundation. Bridge to Freedom is a nonprofit organization that provides aid to survivors of slavery who now live in the U.S., such as former child soldiers and victims of sex trafficking and forced labor. The cornerstone of Bridge to Freedom's work is personal and professional development to help survivors adapt and thrive in their new lives and communities and find work to support themselves. The Bridge to Freedom Foundation needs your support to help people just like Tanya. They need your urgent action to ensure that they can continue to provide clothing and health and beauty services to these survivors. These are not only important for rebuilding self-esteem, but are crucial to finding employment. They're also in great need of storage containers and clothing racks to organize and store donations. While donations of needed items are vital, one sure thing that will help to stop the spread of this injustice and prevent it from thriving undetected is educating yourselves about human trafficking or slavery and knowing the signs and the proper authorities to contact if you become aware of a victim in crisis. Find out more at bridgetofreedomfoundation.org or if you have a reason to suspect that someone may be a victim of human trafficking, please call the National Human Trafficking Resource Center hotline on 1-888-373-7888. Multilingual call specialists are on standby 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. All calls are confidential. Welcome back, Truth Seekers. And we're on again with Tomet and Bonnie, and we're discussing the new film for Color Girls. Welcome back, guys. Hello. Hey. Welcome back. <laughs> you know, we're about 15 minutes in now, and it looks as though we're not going to get Jenks, or I don't believe um, Blanche is going to call in either. So we'll just have to go it alone from this point forward. <laughs> I think Bonnie and Hi. I have a lot to talk about. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Uh, actually, yeah. Donna sent me a message and said, um, you guys should talk um, offline, and um, yeah, I was feeling that as well. You guys have quite a bit to talk about. <laughs> that would be great, Tomette. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, we should record it, Bonnie, and then just give it to Michael so he can just air those segments. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys will have a, um, a, a number of different opportunities, I think, to talk again. Um, yeah. I've been sort of um, just we're sort of testing out Bonnie for our, our new show on relationships called He Said, She Said. And um, this is a new show on A Measure of Truth where we're going to discuss um, relationships between men and women. Uh, we're going to discuss everything from marriage to dating to being single and being happy about it. And um, we're going to just 
help people to communicate um, past the uh, personas and past the the mask that people wear and help them to see the reality and um, really finding someone that you truly want a relationship with or if it's just social, how to be honest about that in a way that doesn't make you seem sneaky. So um, we've got quite a bit of content for this show because everyday life provides <laughs> questions and scenarios all the time, and we plan to bring those to the air and give everyone an opportunity to call in and give their own opinion as well as um, you know develop some dialogue with us as well from some experts in the field as well. Well, <clears throat> it sounds exciting for me. I I look forward to it. I've been looking forward to it ever since I spoke with you, Michael. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, not, I just wish I would have recorded that um, first conversation that we had, which was just amazing. And um, we'll we'll have to find a way to reproduce that somehow. <laughs> well, I have that in the archives of my brain. So <laughs> yeah, I'm aware. <laughs> oh yeah. I can Michael brings. It. Do you notice, Bonnie, that Michael brings that out of you? Do you notice that he'll start? He'll ask you a question and he'll go, "Don't tell me anymore. I'm gonna wait till we get online. You know, <laughs> wait till we're that's on the radio. Good, Don't say anything else." Part that's the yeah. mystery of it all. You know, you just that's don't right. know what you're gonna say. And I like that. I like, mm-hmm. um, I like the challenge, and I like, um, I just like just coming forward and just not having anything rehearsed. That's that's challenging yeah. for me. So, and it's um, yeah. it's a breath of fresh air as well. Yeah, yeah, Bonnie, and and you had such an amazing story of talking about how you and your husband met, and I shared how my wife and I met, and Tomette is just um, a very, very interesting person when it comes to talking about relationships and um, the things that she lays out as a format for her to um, progress without um, any uh, dishonesty or deceit or just being misled. So it would be a very, very interesting um roundtable, so to speak, for us to talk. And there's some more people that will be involved as well. So um, this will be um, something, too, that I plan on actually bringing out into the public, taking um, this blog talk radio show and doing it live at a venue that will be announced in the future so that people will be able to meet us all, sit down, and we'll do a live show and um, do a meet and greet and all of that. So uh, I'm really looking forward to what we have coming up in 2011, if not before then. Well, that'll be exciting, Michael. And, you know, I believe in love. (laughs) I'm a believer. I'm a believer. (laughs) Oh, well, I believe in love at first sight, don't I, Mike? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. I I have to see now you guys, now all the listeners are saying, okay, so, so what was it? <laughs> what happened? Yeah, oh, we'll, we'll, they we'll really, back. Just yeah. continue. Just a snippet. <laughs> was it love at first sight? That's all I want to know. <laughs> yeah. See, That's wrong. You guys are wrong. He validated it. It was apparently love at first sight. I'm not going to say anything else. I, I shouldn't have said wow. that much. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take a break, and we're going to come back and end the show after this, and we'll talk just a little bit more. But here's a a, a song by an artist. Her name is Candida, and it's very interesting. I just had her on the show on this past Friday on our music show for independent artists called Turn It Up. Now, Candida is an artist who's working with one of my favorite producers in the area, um, D.T. Lamont of Triple F Productions. Now, she has a song that's actually a tribute to her mom. So uh, she grew old and came of age, she found and realized just all the things that her mom had sacrificed for her children. And this is just sort of a tribute to her mother, Candida's woman.
Woman by Candida. <laughs> what did you think of that? Beautiful. Very appropriate song for the... Um, is, am I echoing? Yeah, we, we got a little bit of echo, but that, that oh, will okay. fix itself. No yeah. <laughs> a very appropriate song for um, the topic. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It sounds, that's a great song. Is she... Um, someone in, from the area, you said, right? Yeah, yeah, and she's a local mm. artist from this area, and uh, I just want to thank you guys. Um, it was an awesome show, and I really enjoyed thank having you, you guys. Um, hope to work with you guys both together again real soon, and um, we've only got a couple more minutes left in the show, and um, we, we'll just look forward to um, the next time we put a show together, and hopefully it will be the one we'll be talking about relationships. Outstanding. <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, guys, and we will talk thanks with you again real us. soon. Okay, Mike, right. thanks for having me. I really appreciate mm-hmm. it, and I enjoyed this very much. All right. Thank you, Bonnie. I enjoyed thank it. Thank you, Tom. We've got thanks, to like. Okay. Bye-bye. Special okay, thanks, bye-bye. To, bye-bye special thanks to our producer, Donna Hardiman. I'm Michael Fordham, and you have been listening to A Measure of Truth. But before you go, here's a little something to take with you. Ask God for wisdom daily, but know that your lesson can come from anybody or any situation, good or bad, friend or foe. Watch your thoughts. They become words. And watch your words. They become actions. And watch your actions. They become habits. And watch your habits. They become your character. And watch your character. It becomes your destiny. Until we meet again, take care of what becomes of you. Right here.